Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be discussing esotericism in Freemasonry. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we'll be discussing esotericism and Freemasonry with our two guests, uh, one of whom has been here before, very worshipful brother Zane McCune, uh, long-time Hi. listeners will remember him from long, long ago, and worshipful brother Ken Lane, uh, both of whom are Masons here in Washington along with myself and Matthew Apple and very worshipful brother David Colbeth, who are here in Washington. And also we have worshipful brother Stephen Chung, who is up in Kelowna, British Columbia. And unfortunately, our fourth usual host couldn't be here this evening. He's not feeling too well. So uh, our thoughts go out to Trevor, but he's not going to be part of our conversation today. So Zane and Ken, we, we brought on the show to sort of, they have also been involved in the sort of esoteric side of Freemasonry a little more than well, a little more than I have. So <laughs> we th- thought we would bring them on and ask them about their knowledge of it. So I guess uh, just to start, um, Zane, what, how would you define esotericism and Freemasonry? What is it? Uh, so it's a great question. And, and I think it's a good opportunity to do just a little bit of myth busting um, as if uh, like maybe there's something um, different about esotericism uh, that, you know, that, that, you know, that we talk about, but esotericism is just information that is veiled to an initiated group. That's really all that it is. Um, uh, and you can find esoteric ideas in all walks of life, not just Freemasonry. Uh, I'm, I'm in finance and there are some very unique uh, 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 investment structures and vehicles and professionals always refer to those really kind of things as being a bit esoteric. What it means is unless you really kind of understand it might, you know, you have to be kind of initiated into that, you know, that cultural, that group to kind of understand what, what the mechanics of something like. The same with Freemasonry too. Um, it's just something that is veiled unless you're initiated into Freemasonry. Um, but that doesn't mean that you automatically know all of this newfound information. You're going to have it revealed to you over time. And that's partly the lodge's responsibility but that's also partly your responsibility to go out and seek it. So it's, it's definitely a, you know, um, a two-way street. But you wouldn't understand anything about Freemasonry and its esoteric teachings if you were never initiated into Freemasonry. Kind of the, I, my really simple idea is that it's the meaning behind the words, right? We talk about the square, and I, I know it's... it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the square, well, I look at a square and I go, oh, that's a square. And yes, it's used in other, in the profane world as as a device. But we as Masons look at that and go, oh, we have a whole different meaning to what that device is. Yeah. Very simple. <laughs> yeah, I think the same the same kind of idea when you hear the word occult. And at, you know, the first, that first blush, that word might sound a little spooky or dangerous or something. And, and it's like, nope, it just means information that you... Uh, wouldn't otherwise understand unless you were initiated into that particular group. Interesting. So is that, are, could non-Masons reading a book about Masonry then 
just would not get the same meaning out of it? Is that what you're? I would say that uh, there's probably, uh, and Ken, chime in anytime you want to hear, but I would say that there are, there's more than one, um, let's say Freemasonry doesn't have a corner of the market on the hidden mystery schools. Okay. It's sort of like Freemasonry is the current uh, contemporary iteration in, in Western civilization. Um, but by no means does it have a corner of the market on, on that. So yeah, would, would, would a member of another uh, uh, group find similarity in Masonic teachings? I, I believe they probably would. Um, you know, can you correlate it a hundred percent? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's not really the question, but I think they would kind of, you know, um, they would, they would, they would find similar, uh, you know, understandings in, in, in some of our ideas. I, I think that. So Ken, do you have, Ken, do you have any, I mean, do you, I, I want to make sure that my, uh, my, my cohort here gets a chance to chime in too, because he's familiar and has lots of, lots of ideas on this topic. No, I think you touched on a lot of them. I, I think that, yes, anyone today can go on the internet and look at most of the things that, that are out there. Um, can they draw the correlation as to what's going on? Possibly some, but I think that there's value in being with other men that share a similar view. And I, I always think of it as, think of a pie. And I know one slice of the pie, but I don't know every slice of the pie. In Zane's view of some things, he may point out other aspects of the same symbols, same teachings. And so to kind of complete that, you need other people's viewpoints, whether they be from a very different type of background, different location, different viewpoint. And that helps you make you, make you able to understand and see those things a little bit differently. One of the hey, things, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say the other, the other thing too about a lot, of, a lot of things in Freemasonry is that there's, I think about the, our, inform, our, our symbols and our information like an onion and there's layers to it. So you can peel back one layer and talk about something in our craft and there's and 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 you'll find a lot of value in doing that and you'll find some truth in that as well and you can take that same thing that same symbol and that same theme and you can peel back another layer and find yet more meaning uh behind that you can kind of distill these things down um quite a bit so it's not like one symbol has one meaning and that's i think really important to understand in fact that's why we use symbols to teach the craft and not just simply words because if we were just going to use simply words we would just use them but you know you have the notion that a picture is worth a thousand words well every symbol is a picture and there's lots and lots of words that that go behind a particular symbol and so you think about all those words is actually really be kind of layer after layer after layer as you kind of drill into something. Oh, sounds like you're, we're going to go all the, the Pardes method on there. Um, <laughs> well, I, I meant to say earlier, by the way, I, I apologize. Uh, Ken is one of the organizers of the Esotericism and Masonry Conference that we spoke briefly about with Troy um, just recently, uh, Troy Sprue. Um, so, well, A, thank you for setting that up, Ken. Uh, are, is that going to happen this year? Do we know yet? Uh, we're planning. We're going to be talking about it. COVID's thrown us off a little bit. Uh, yes, as with many other things. Um, so how Troy, did you guys did, get into Troy this? alluded to the 8th of May, right? Which will be already by the time we, this is 
broadcast. Well, that's the the Canadian. Uh, oh, the Canadian Grandmasonic Grand, Day. Grandmasonic Day, Day, not the Esoteric Conference. Okay, cool. Well, maybe that's we can... usually in, in the September October, right? Correct. Probably usually the first weekend in October. That's what we shoot for. Awesome. And and while you're on that topic, I'll just you know to kind of give a plug for Ken too. It's it's a fantastic conference and. I'll answer the maybe the question that isn't being asked, which is who should go to that? And I would ans- I would answer that, and Ken Ken you know probably would love to answer that question too. But I would say uh, any any Mason in good standing should should any Master Mason Ken or any Mason in good standing. Uh, we've had a, a couple different things. Any Mason in good standing definitely. The other is uh, we've tried to have a speaker that would be open to the general public, and that would invite people that may be curious about Freemasonry uh, to just say, hey, I'd like to just ask some questions or see what they're a little bit about. Last year, we had someone that spoke on astrology, and we said, we'll open that up to Masons and non-Masons. We had uh, a couple women that uh, were brave enough to come and hang with some of the guys and ask questions. So, yeah, we welcome just about everybody. And I think the neat thing about that conference, Ken and, uh, and, and, and Troy do a really great job of it. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, consider yourself a, an esoteric Mason, and we should even probably kind of talk about that that topic too at some point during the show here but you don't have to be super knowledgeable to go to that in fact you can just come right and 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 watch and learn and ask questions and that's okay um and i met lots of guys the last time i was there that were trying to bring some of that spirit back to their own lodge and so they were going there to find out well what kind of topics do you guys even talk about so now they go back to their lodge and that helps them sort of formulate you know education ideas or, or, or topics to talk about and things like that. So uh, it can be used that way too. We're probably looking less to entertain people and a lot more to fill some desire that they have that some desire for a a little more knowledge. How do I move in a direction? Where can I meet like-minded people, whether you're into numerology, gematria, astrology, astronomy, any of the seven liberal arts and sciences, all the stuff we talk about. So is there a website that somebody could go to or how, how would they list kind of word of mouth? Uh, right now it's not posted, but it's esotericism in Freemasonry. Um, and I don't even know what it is offhand. I'll look and I'll, I'll post okay. it. For you. Or, or send it to me and I'll make sure we get it in the show notes. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So how did you guys become aware of this, this whole aspect of Masonry? Were you like esoterically minded and then joined Masonry? Did you join Masonry and then peel back one of those layers and go, Hey, that's crazy. And get more involved that way. How did you, Ken, how did you get into this? Is that a. Well, I was um, growing up. I am a Roman Catholic, go to parochial schools. And, and so I was in a very structured environment and thinking of, you know, things outside that, you know, I always had a lot of questions. We were taught just to have faith and not really question everything, but I had lots of questions. When I joined Freemasonry, I didn't really have any preconceived ideas. I wasn't one that had, at the time that I joined, uh, there wasn't a lot of writings. There wasn't all the publications from the Scottish Rite Research Society or any of that really available other than maybe Morals and Dogma. Um, I had seen copies of uh, Manly Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And when I joined Masonry, one of the things uh, that I was able to do is I, I met a gentleman by our brother by the name of Walt Stewart in Colorado, and he was Manly Hall's secretary. And he had worked with Mr. Hall. He never called him Manly Hall. He called him Mr. Hall and (laughs) taking care of everything, really. And he was an artist. Um, And he described that Mr. Hall had spent his entire time uh, before writing the secret teachings, 
living in the New York Public Library. And he said he got all of his information and anything he needed was, was available. And it was a matter of really drilling down and finding those things. And so I, I had gotten this and, and read through it and I became much more involved and interested in a variety of things that for me in the teachings that I grew up with seemed very foreign. But what I found is that it created a lot of truisms in life and it was very appealing to me. And I know for me that uh, I, I was not um, uh, aware of Masonic esoteric teachings before I joined the craft. Um, I think I, I think I always had kind of an open mind to different ideas and, 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 uh, and different things, but it wasn't until, uh, I joined the craft and I just, I love to read. I got into, um, you know, Masonic books cause I, I was trying to absorb, uh, resorb the, absorb this, uh, this whole ocean of information called Freemasonry. And so I would read a lot. And for me, it was like, um, I'd realized that this was an independent study. Uh, it, this wasn't information I was going to find at my lodge. And I, and I, at, initially I was like, well, that must be how it's done. I must have to read these things on my own and absorb these. And I'll just find people to talk about them who, who do this too. And then when I go to lodge, we have dinner and it's a very big social function and a big to do, but we aren't talking about the things that I'm reading about. And so, you know, it wasn't until much later, uh, you know, when our lodge started to kind of uh, shift direction that we actually brought these two things together where things that you read about and concepts and ideas are actually talked about in lodge. But up until then, it was really a lot of independent study for me. And Z, you're an artist as well. So you look at it from that point of view many times. Have you, how long have you been an artist? I know that's kind of in your family to some extent, but have you, since you were a kid, have you played and done all that i don't know I, I can never... uh well yeah i've been a musician for a long time like uh nine nine years old i think or something like that so long time i won't say officially haven't no <laughs> long long time uh yeah so and so that was another thing too is music and freemasonry was a whole you know not as esoteric but uh but certainly really interesting because it's another one of those top another one of those topics that's in been lost to, to many lodges and, and, and some Masons out there might not even realize how much music is involved in, in a lodge experience because they've never had it. And uh, for those few Masons who are lucky enough to have music in their lodge, when they visit other lodges, I've repeatedly heard them say, but you don't really realize how important that is until you miss it. And then that's, that's the one that kind of have that aha moment, but they go back to their lodge and, um, uh, and so anyway, music is another one of those topics. Well, it's more than just having music too, as we say it, but we've kind of missed out on the part where we talk about harmony being the strength and support of all institutions. It isn't just playing music is that those vibrations, the ability to be in harmony with each other vocally and not expressing anger. You know, there's a, a great amount of teaching in all of our lessons but we look at it on a very superficial level and the more you get into it the more you start going wow I, I just never even saw this or thought that it existed but when you start opening up those layers from the onion it becomes much more appealing no pun intended <laughs> well and a lot of that is 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 you know again there's no um right 
interpretation, you know, because a lot of when you start getting down a few layers into something that has some personal impact to you and it's really how does it how do how do these teachings affect you personally as a human your 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 progression towards becoming a, a better human um, and so these are all things that we can talk about and there's no one right way or no wrong way right I, I don't know if that uh, uh, you know kind of helps to add to the dialogue here well I, I don't mean to talk about apples and oranges but it, you, you could well you did use an onion as a description of peel back the layers. There's, you, you could look at other examples of, uh, th there's, there, you know me, I've got to do it. There's lots of fruits in the basket. So, <laughs> but, but it's all of those things that come together that as Ken was talking about how each of them has a different perspective and has a different feature and has a different function. They all come together to make the great stew or the great pot or the, whatever you're, you know, the, the meal or whatever you're trying to get after. So, you know, the, the iron sharpens iron and the, the chalk brushes off and all of those things that we could talk about that uh, it helps, helps to build each other. I, I steal stuff from Zane all the time. And I'm now that I'm getting to know Ken, I'm going to start stealing stuff from him, but he's a good person to steal stuff from. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I tie it floats all boats. Right. Amen. Right. All I know is apples are the king of the fruits. That's oh yeah. man, it's just getting. <laughs> oh, oh, that was bad. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting deep, man. It's getting deep. I've, I've had to live with the name. I got to use it when I can. Uh, <laughs> so you you said one of these um, earlier about how it uh, the teachings affect people. So we we all know there are masons out there who are like you guys are more versed in this, and there are other masons who would I don't know I would quite say deny, but they don't go down that road. Let's phrase it that way. Do, you, do these these hidden meanings affect those masons as well? I mean, maybe not as much if they're not directly studying it, but do does some of that soak in? Do you think is that a sure? I, I think that it does. Um, everyone's entitled to their path and what they would like to discover in Freemasonry. That's really at the core of the talk that we did. The elephant in the room. Instead of trying to be everything to everyone, it would be good if, in my opinion, if the lodges would self-identify so that people that are attracted to Freemasonry know what they're getting out of their Blue Lodge. And by doing so and having strong groups of people come together, that's where that band and that information comes from. So. Yep. I would, I would say that uh, uh, it takes uh, all sorts of facets to, to have a, a Masonic experience. that's you know, quality and valuable. And there's, even in my lodge, there's guys that uh, they like to talk about these things, but they, they're not the, you know, they're not the researchers. They're not the ones that necessarily um, uh, uh, will, uh, you know, kind of peel and peel and peel. But at the conversation, they ask a lot of questions and it helps them. And, 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 and yet there's some things that I lean on them for too. So it's not like uh, everybody at like our lodge is exactly the same way. But I think the theme that runs throughout the guys that are members of our lodge is that they like to talk about it. They like to ask questions about it and they embrace, uh, you know, Masonic education and, and, and a discussion format in lodge. And, and, um, and so, you know, there's definitely, you know, new guys that are listening and learning. And then there's, you know, more experienced guys in our lodge who are, who are teachers and do a probably a little more of the heavy lifting there, but um, you know, we try to transition that We try to, you know, bring guys up and, and encourage them to present and lodge. And I guess I've always looked at it like everybody has, at least one thing that they're extremely interested 
about Freemasonry, once they dive in and kind of learn a little bit about it. And I usually say to them, great, you should run with that. You should do, you should get no books problem. on it. You should, you should research something and put it all together into a cohesive thought so that you can bring it to the lodge and, and talk about it and share, share your, your, your presentation with us. Um, and from that, not only are they just, you know, sharing an idea that they're really passionate about, but it kind of forces them to stand up in front of a group of guys, uh, put together a presentation. Now they're publicly speaking, even though it's a private organization, you know, they're, they're standing up and speaking. A lot of those guys might not have a lot of experience doing that in their profession. And so now this gives them just, you know, one more thing to do. And oh, by the way, they're going to be coming up the officer line, hopefully someday. And that just gives them that much more experience. So Lots that's of little what, tangents to work That's something I, I talk about with leadership is that it's not necessarily that the person already knows. Some Sometimes a guy knows they want to be in the officer line because they think that's where the leadership responsibility is or leadership opportunity is. But you could be a leader in teaching, a leader in instruction, a leader in guidance, a leader in coaching and mentoring and developing Masons. And first, you may not think you're a leader, and then through those experiences and opportunities you're just talking about, all of a sudden they realize oh, I am a leader. I am teaching all these guys. I am doing all this stuff. And then they say, well, I guess I could be an officer in the line. I could be the master, but you absolutely need those people that are dedicated to development of the men and the Masons to, to further the lodge. And because you need, I think we said that all, all, all the high tide rises all boats and like many hands make light work. So you got to have, a lot of people to help do that. No, I shouldn't say a lot of people. You have people that are dedicated that want to do well, that. And I think, you know, lodges are the perfect uh, ecosystem for men to develop when there's an opportunity for them to develop and, and get outside their comfort zone. And what better place to do that than with a bunch of uh, like-minded men who have taken an obligation of, of uh, it, it, a common obligation to help each other uh, become better men. And yet in that will hold in their hearts secret, the, the innermost thoughts that, you know, that they, that they talk about That's extremely important in order to make the whole thing run. And, and so, um, the, the lodge experience is extremely important for Freemasonry to kind of come alive and actually work. Otherwise it's really a bit more of an academic thing. So, uh, yeah, just to kind of pile on with what, what Ken was saying there. We, we, we don't want someone to fail, but think about it. What a better place to fail than with your brothers that actually love and care about you. If you're all like-minded and you're there to help each other, there is really not a failure. Your brothers will help you, and that's the whole part in learning. In our About three masters ago, we had a master's moment, uh, Paul Hansen who every meeting he had a master's moment, he had a great dialogue and it was mostly off the cuff. He, he had an idea what he wanted to talk about, but a lot of it was free form. And that was exactly his topic. Got, you know, if I'm in this environment, this sacred closed environment, if I can't fail and mess up in front of these people, who can I fail in front of? Who, and, yeah. And it yeah. was what it was as a argument because there were other guys that were, you know, the past masters or whatever on the sidelines or the grumpy guys in the sidelines would come up to a guy afterwards and give him what's what about something he missed. And he was frustrated with it. So it was a subtle way for him to hit back, if you will, or to re yeah. realign guys. I don't know if anybody, usually the, the people that need it don't hear it, but, uh, but that was the idea that, and I thought, boy, what a poignant message. I wish I had recorded those, but. Uh, yeah. That's the danger of, of getting into some of the trappings that, uh, 
um, that can happen at Lodge where Lodge becomes, uh, there's a certain way to run the meeting and there's certain things that you can do and there's certain things that you can't do and, and you have to do it this way. And we always did it that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that our lodge is impervious to that. What I'm just saying is like, that's the, that's the dangerous kind of man-made uh, uh, albatross that can get around a lodge's neck and turn a lot of guys off. And, and I always tell folks that are attending one of my classes in leadership training, if you're one of those past masters that, that, that tends to say a lot of things like that, I'm going to challenge you. To, to hold your tongue. I'm not saying that we can't work on ritual and that shouldn't be done well. I'm not saying go light on, 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 uh, you know, expectation, but, um, you know, if there's changes that guys want to make in the lodge to how the lodge, you know, works or how the lodge, what lodge talks about, you know, let them give them some rope, let them, you, they just, they'll surprise you with how well, uh, received their ideas are. That's okay. Well said. You know, I, I add to that saying that if we're doing a good job, I think that the only thing that we can really do well is that we can only create an environment where other people can be successful. I can't make someone else successful. I can't have them, you know, push them to do something they don't want. But what we can do is nurture our brothers, provide them with the opportunity where they can then expand and learn. And whether it's esoteric knowledge, study of masonry, be brotherly love, anything that's there. But they have to also do their part. Here, here. So uh, esotericism comes full circle and gets applied in, in the real world in the lodge. Um, so uh, with that note, uh, we're running out of time here. So I will say thank you very much to uh, Worship Brother Ken, very Worship Brother Zane. Thank you for coming out this evening. Thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, My pleasure. And we look forward to talking to you again in our next episode. And with that, on behalf of Steve and David and myself, thank you all very much for listening to the Working Tools podcast. Goodbye. 